Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. Before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision and her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Pushkin. First time I heard Black Pumas, I was blown away. The guitar player and producer, Adrian Casada, has a production style that's uniquely his own. Sounds both modern and retro. And Eric Burton's voice is so powerful and soulful, it's hard to believe you've never heard him before. The band seems like they came out of nowhere and everywhere, all at once. The runway to success was short for Black Pumas. Five months after releasing their debut album in 2019, the Austin-based band was nominated for Best New Artist at the Grammys. And now one year later, Black Pumas are up for even more Grammys, including Album of the Year for the deluxe version of their debut. Adrian and Eric met at a crossroads in both of their careers. Adrian left his first band after a successful run, including a years-long mentorship with Prince. In this episode, I talked to Adrian about being taken under Prince's wing, Eric reminisces about writing the group's biggest hit in church, and they explain their unique chemistry that's led to instant success. This is Broken Record, liner notes for the digital age. I'm Justin Richmond. Here's my conversation with Adrian Quesada and Eric Burton of Black Pumas. Oftentimes the experience as a fan of listening to a band is there's a gestation period where you've heard the name or you've heard a song or you heard something and it's kind of like, oh yeah, I need to check that out or people keep telling you. But you guys really just almost like materialized out of thin air, it felt like. Was the experience the same for you guys on the, on the other end? And it's weird. On one hand, yes. On one hand, no. You know, it's like on one hand, it's kind of the culmination of everything Eric and I have been doing already, you know, in the years leading up to this. And, you know, being introduced to each other in 2017, we worked on the music in 2017 for a good while before um, we played our first show in 2018. So for us, some of these songs are, are you know, three years old. But then on the other hand, uh, from the time we played our first show, which was uh, spring of 2018, to the time we were touring and all that, because we were moving at such a fast pace, it actually did feel like it happened kind of fast. So I do remember talking to Eric at our first South by Southwest and telling him like, man, this is this is going to happen fairly quickly. And the reason like I'm bringing it up is because we're not going to have time to think about it or or breathe for a while and then that's really what happened and until honestly the first time I felt personally like I stopped and was able to take a breath and look around and, th- and process it was was during the pandemic 
Yeah. You know, like Adrian, he's been in the industry for a while. Like he's not new. Like you, a lot of uh, the radio stations and some of the people that we've uh, run into doing interviews, they know Adrian from Grupo Fantasma and Brownout and, you know, Brown Sabbath. And he's got all these. He's done different things. And I, on the other hand, I'm virtually non-existent before the Black Pumas online while at the same time, you know, like writing these songs, like Colors, and I, I wrote Colors like 10 years ago. And, you know, Touch the Sky, I, I was writing that when I was busking on the Santa Monica Pier, you know, a couple of years before meeting Adrian um, in the first place. And so I think that being a new kid in this uh, beautiful music town, you know, finding a partner in someone who's done it for so long to to the degree that people are interested in uh, hearing what he's got going on next. And so while Adrian was looking for someone to write songs on the instrumentals that he had at first, our friend Brian Ray introduced the the, the nobody guy to Adrian and, and uh, you know, Adrian liked, he liked the songs. And, you know, I think that we're both thankful that that is the reaction to most of most of the people who listen to the music in the first place. But it would not have happened if Adrian didn't have the history that he had in the industry, you know, with the quality that he brings to the table. And it would not have happened if I wasn't bringing the, the songs that I was bringing to the table, as well as the live performance aspect of what we do together as well. So. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. Oh, absolutely. You know, like the way what Eric was saying, I, I kind of imagine it almost like, you know, there's a plateau or like a mountain and I've just been climbing it longer. And he just moved up and we got to the same point and we're almost like starting from scratch. You know, it's like I just see it like at some point we hit a new plateau where we're, we're in in the exact same. Uh, I've never been there either. And that's what blows me away the most. It's because, you know, I remember uh, kind of nudging Adrian when we were in the airport in like London or Paris is like dude man this is crazy right and like I mean I know you've I'm almost embarrassed embarrassed to, to even show that I'm excited around like somebody like Adrian and then Adrian goes you know I, I haven't seen a lot of these stages in this in the same in the way that we're seeing them either I haven't seen that and so to hear that it's very humbling and amazing to me that a virtual nobody is, you know, somehow elevating the career of someone who's been doing it for such a long time. So, you know, to the degree that we're experiencing a lot of the same things for the first time together. Was that hard for you, Adrian, or in, in a sense, maybe even humbling to have to start over again? Because, I mean, you're coming from a group where you had two Grammy nominations, you know, or a win, right? One, yeah. One win, yeah. You know, I... I don't think Eric and I really at the beginning had an intention of starting a band. We were just recording, you know, Eric was getting hit up a lot by producers in Austin and uh, we were just having fun working on music. And I feel like that's why this is so special to me is that we had really pure intentions. We were just trying to like record cool songs that we wanted to listen to, you know, and, and Eric would show me something. I'd be like, oh man, check, you know, check out the production on them. And it took us a while to finally say, well, we should actually be a band and do this, you know. So I think it's our enthusiasm for, kind of rubs off. I mean, part of why we started it, we were like, well, let's play. The, let's see what it would be like to play these songs live. Because we had never played them live together. We were just recording them. And then we started the sh playing our live shows. And that was just a blast, man. It was just so much fun to be on stage. And Eric's enthusiasm and stage presence and everything was all just contagious and just kind of took off from there. I mean, those songs are really good. I mean, that's one of the interesting things too about it feeling like you guys almost were not here one day and here the next is that this, the song sounds so fleshed out and so incredible. It's hard to believe that these songs and the productions were conceived of and created independently. Did you have the sense when you were recording these that these are really special? Kind of, yeah. But I was trying to contain my enthusiasm and just play it cool, you know, and... uh um, we just, I don't know. We were just in a little bubble working on the, on these songs. Like, I don't know. We didn't really show them to, I didn't really show them to anybody, but my wife and maybe like a couple people at some point, and every time I play it for somebody, they'd be like, what is that? Play that again. And I'm like, oh, is this guy, Eric Burton? I just met him. Check this out. And they'd be like, what the hell? Like, I mean, it just seemed like early on, like 
the songs he was writing and the production style that I was hearing in my head was just effortless, man. Like we we really didn't really even have to like talk about it that much. It was just happy. We'd just do it. I know you guys uh, were going to cut a couple of songs for this conversation. So I, I was thinking we could start by hearing having people hear Colors. What was going on in your life that led you to write that song? Uh, I think I was just leading uh, praise and worship at a Presbyterian church and was just looking to connect with God in my own way, you know, from my perspective. And so Colors kind of emanates from a place of just trying to be honest and uh, in my alignment to source. So you were leading a, essentially like a church group? Yeah, I was uh, I was hired to to learn hymns on my guitar and kind of, you know, before I came into the church, they were listening to recordings and I'm like, what? There's no music going? You know, I was going to a different church at the time, but they caught wind of me through, you know, some family and they paid me to come and uh, lead some hymns. And so that's what I did. I would learn some of the hymns and then start writing my own pretty much. And Colors was uh, one of those that were reflective of trying to break out of just singing that kind of music. Did you ever perform that in the church? Maybe once. Do you remember how it was received? Yeah, it was always received very, like, pretty well, you know, but there's obvious, this this obvious difference, you know, between, you know, me writing my own song um, as opposed to, like, singing these, like, old hymnal songs and stuff like that. So I am. I imagine now that uh, it probably came off a little bit more worldly than uh, people were used to. But that's, I mean, I guess that would have been unlike the time when a lot of the great gospel songs that we sing in church now were, were written, you know? Right, exactly. And, you know, to be honest, I look up to people like Sam Cooke and um, Ray Charles and Aretha Franklin who are able to kind of take what they learned in church and to uh, give it a universal approach. And that's kind of uh, how I kind of see a little bit of my development and as a songwriter and a performer as well. Adrian, were you very connected to gospel music at all? Because it seems like that's the world that Eric's really coming from. Not particularly, no, man. I grew up Catholic and went to Catholic school and I'm from South Texas and the, the connection to music with the churches in, in South Texas, I think is a bit of a different experience. Although I love it, you know, but that wasn't my my upbringing. Honestly, it really wasn't mine either. I mean, I wasn't really in a gospel singing church, like learning like how Aretha Franklin died. No way near close. It's just I, I just feel coming from that, from the church in general, in its strictness to sing, like to have certain content, you know, just taking what I've learned and making it my own. 100 yeah. percent is is what i mean by coming from singing in church and then writing my own songs and stuff when i moved to austin actually my freshman year in college i did go to the university catholic center which was across from my dorms and i thought i would play guitar and uh there for a second there i was like maybe i'll go play guitar at the at the university catholic center but man the music was was not inspiring to me. If if Eric had if I had like heard colors or something there, you know, I might have joined <laughs> I might have taken a different career turn. We'll be back with Adrian and Eric after this break. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on credit worthiness. Rates as of February 1st, 2024. Terms and more at AppleCard.com. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer helped shape the sound and soul of country music as we know it today despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed The Boar's Nest, Sue's Place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, 
wounded souls, wayward upstarts, would spur each other on to tap into something bigger, realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Bacharach as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash, alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the Boar's Nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of Outlaw Country Music. Listen now at audible.com slash Nest. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Here's more of my conversation with Adrian Quesada and Eric Burton. One of the cool experiences with your music is it sounds familiar because it sounds it sounds soulful in the way that music used to sound soulful. But when I'm listening to your voice, Eric, like I can't pinpoint a particular singer that you sound like, but you can hear the gospel, you can hear the soul. Sometimes in your writing, um, in colors, even in the lyrics, there's almost like a country element to just sound like specific and and clear. The, the lyrics are, the verses are. And Adrian with the production, there's not one person it sounds like in terms of arrangement production, like you can't say it's Isaac Hayes or Curtis Mayfield, but there's such a, there's such soul imbued in, in the way you're producing these tracks. Yeah, I mean, there's certain nods, very specific nods. I think every once in a while we throw in um, a little wink here and there to, to a particular influence. But I don't think when Eric and I were working, when we first met, well, it's funny is I'll, I actually probably have to punt this back for to Eric to clarify on this, but like I remember him telling me he had never really sang on a song that he didn't start himself, like these instrumentals, you know. So he he was telling me he was kind of struggling to kind of fit in. Where I'm like, everything you're singing sounds golden to me, man. I mean, there's there are nods, you know, there's nods in my production. I think there's little winks and nods between us to our influences, but. Ultimately, I mean, I don't even think we had a discussion on like, well, let's make that sound like this. You know, I right. never told Eric there. I don't think he ever told me that as well. But what that was initially when when I uh, reached out to people and was like, hey, do you know anybody I could collaborate with this on this? A bunch of people sent me ideas like, oh, check out this such and such person. All real talented people, but nobody really uh, made me kind of jump out of my seat and reach out until I saw until I heard about Eric. And the, and one of the main reasons why was. They were like, oh, I just, you know, you hear a soul singer and you just imagine like that kind of, especially nowadays, like that retro soul kind of like thing. But I just looked him up and I'm like, now he's playing like an acoustic guitar or, you know, almost more like Neil Young than, (laughs) you know what I mean? But he, but it's soulful, but it's his soul. I don't know. It was just so much to me that I was just like perked up and was like, damn, this dude is like, is is an individual, you know? And that's the the most important thing I think both of us have wanted to convey with through our through the music is like just that it sounds like us you know and the band name it's it's like the imagery is super strong how did you guys land on black pumas adrian went cat crazy on me man <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he came back from he came back from mexico i'm gonna tell the story Dan. all right go ahead go ahead yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> he, came, he came back from mexico was really inspired by the uh, the cat iconography and i'll let you conclude adrian i'm just, Oh, it's good, but, it's yeah. uh, you know, we sent a slew of texts back and forth of different names and stuff. And Adrian kept sending me cat names. I'm like, what? What's your problem, bro? Like, <laughs> like I remember like, Hagarite, like, like we're going to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, I forgot about that one, man. Uh, I remember reading about Pumas. I went like literally stayed up like three nights just reading about Pumas, Jaguars, uh, Lions, all of them. And then I read about the black puma that there is no such thing as a black puma 
And then there's like all these kind of weird cryptozoology sites of people like whatever, just went down a rabbit hole. So, I mean, it was literally just we were texting back and forth and it was like Black Pumas. And he's like, that's dope. OK, yeah, Black Pumas. Like. Black Pumas is great. It's, it's strong. It's easy. You don't even want to know what I was what I was sharing with Adrian. Oh I wish I could God. find those texts, actually. Oh, my. He, like he was just like I, I remember just like us laughing at each other. I don't know if Adrian was like smoking or something like that <laughs> or, or whatever. But uh, I just remember getting to know him through like coming up with these names and stuff. And like mine's had to do with like spaceships and this That's and that. Right, and like yeah, Adrian's yeah. like a Mighty Royals, baseball, oh, Royals one, cats. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fun. I'm glad we uh, we stuck with Black Pumas. Yeah, no, absolutely. There, there is an element of you guys that feels like you're engaging on social things. So even if that wasn't the intention with the name, it, it feels right. I think there's like an undercurrent. There's an undertone of uh, some real fire in the both of us um, as it pertains to what we see that is going on socially. But when we make the music, it's nev- we're never thinking about like, hey, like, Let's speak to the George Floyd situation in a way that uh, is going to really spark something and like some empathy in people Um, like colors. When I wrote that, I was I was just thinking about just being aligned within myself. I wasn't thinking about race. And that's what's amazing about the power that comes from, you know, being a band in the first place, writing the music that we write in the first place, because as the times progress and different things happen, People are going to want to take the music and make it universal as it pertains to the times and what's actually going on. Yeah. So when we have conversations together, you can feel the, 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 the compassion for people who aren't, aren't treated as fairly. But uh, when we're making music, man, that's like sanctuary time. Like it's just about coming together to have fun, you know, being honest and not just pity partying, you know, so to speak, if I may. Yeah. Does it feel weird to have built up all this momentum over the last few years just to sort of have it, you know, just come to a standstill? Totally. Yeah. We realize and are thankful that we're kind of um, a studio band first. You know, we didn't start off as a live band um, anyway. So, you know, it's it's obviously a bummer to not like play some of these some of the biggest festivals we would have played, some of the biggest rooms we would have played this year. But I think that we both can still take a step back and be thankful for the the opportunity this is to kind of, in the industry's retrograde, just kind of go back into our, you know, our comfort zone. That is writing and just coming up with different ideas that uh, kind of get us going. And what what more of a better time is is, is you know, the civil unrest and the COVID-19 things that are going on to work through creatively. Are you guys able to write and record right now? Um, yeah, it's, on it's yeah. On and off. We're kind of, we're chipping away at, at a new record with ideas, you know, uh, have everything from, from kind of like songs that we've already begun in the studio to, to ideas that on, phone messages to songs that Eric's written on guitar on his phone and has recorded. It's, it's all over the place. We have a, a lot of sketches. We just need to kind of, uh, I think Eric's going to be writing here for a little bit and, and, uh, and then we're, we're going to reconvene, you know, before the end of the year, hopefully lay a lot of it down. And on one hand, I actually feel like the touring going completely away uh, is going to be good for us because if we had like tried to do this in between tours, there'd be a lot of noise you know, like I, I just feel like uh, there'd be we probably would feel like that pressure and that all the noise of of what happens on tour and regular life. And on one hand, it's like everything just paused and it went silent. And and I feel like it's back to um, the whole reason we made these songs. And I remember Eric one time telling me something like on a plane, like, man, I want to record more stuff just so I have something to listen to. And it's just like, you know, at this point, just back to square one without feeling any pressure and it's just like just make something we would want to listen to is it different writing and recording together now given that you guys are actually like a a a band now and essentially the first time around you guys weren't quite a band yet you know um certainly hadn't had the success you'd had yet does it feel does the context feel different in terms of writing and recording does the collaboration feel different this like when we recorded the second half of the album which were 
uh, you know, the way I kind of just the easiest way to describe it is songs that Eric started on his guitar, you know, versus writing a song to a, to an instrumental. Um, we kind of we recorded those pretty live with the band uh, pr- pr- from a production standpoint and like a technical standpoint, which is, you know, what I bring is I feel like it's because of uh, the pandemic and quarantine and us not being able to really get the band in here all the time and, and us crowd into a studio. It's actually forcing me to step outside the box and and like make these creative decisions that I think would keep keep us from falling into our comfort zone or at least me production wise falling into the same bag of tricks it's forcing me to kind of like just think outside the box a little bit and make more creative decisions that I think is going to be good overall for the next album however however that comes together uh, musically same with the uh, other aspects of it too is uh, as far as um, I don't know if you could look at this as a production aspect but I remember being in uh, were we Paris um, sitting outside. That's so funny to say to me, <laughs> by the way. But Adrian showed me this this riff, this blues riff. I was like, man, yeah, yeah, that's kind of cool. And then I always think, because we had had a conversation with the label before, and I was like, man, I, I can't wait to like maybe collab with this person or that person or this person. And it was more from them, they were kind of encouraging the same sound. And so I, what I realized is like, okay, so we can't forget where we come from. But hey, there's still different levels within a room. Like just because we're in a theater doesn't mean that we have to create music on the stage. Maybe we can go up in the balcony and do something crazy. So Adrian came up with this blues riff and I, and I thought, man, how cool would it be to like throw some Capoeira like instrumentation behind that blues riff? It's like, yo, I don't know. So you, we like to vibe out on it and 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 whatnot. And um, you know, it's it's really cool to be collaborating with you know someone as generous uh, to that degree to create a little bit of space to you know have some collaboration. I guess so. I think I, I try to be open to you know Adrian just doesn't care about you know, the words and lyrics and stuff like that as much. <laughs> that's your job. Oh, that's his, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, yo, he'll help out. Like, how you help, Adrian? Tell him, tell him how you got my back. <laughs> when, when uh, you know, when we first started working together and he would kind of get stuck on a line, I'll, I'll offer my feedback, but honestly, it's like, there's not a lot I could tell him to make what he does, you know what I'm saying, like better. I mean, I'm not, I'm not the most vocal person in general, and, uh, but I remember there there was definitely times where you'd kind of be stuck or I just I, I might stop and say, man, that line is dope. And like that concept, whatever you're going with, I really like that. But for the most part, you know, what, what am I going to tell this dude? How am I going to make this dude's stuff, lyrics and vocals better? But just just that alone, though, like really keeps me grounded. I'm like, oh, OK. All right. All right. All right. You know. I see Adrian nodding to certain things. Um, and, you know, if I don't, sometimes if I don't have that, I'm, I can get really eccentric in the way that I like to be abstract visually with the, with the lyrics and stuff. So He sort of keeps you on, 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 on the right course. Oh, yeah. He, he keeps me on the ground because I want to fly. <laughs> 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 Eric has more production ideas than I have vocal ideas, put it that way. But, but, I'll, but, but I'll, equally, I'll jump in. Equally important, man. Yeah. Like, I, I'll you jump don't want to know what I'd be writing if I didn't have Adrian in the studio. <laughs> I mean, I love you guys' willingness to experiment, and it, it totally comes across. And like when I was listening to the deluxe edition, you guys did a cover of "Politicians in My Eyes." And when I first saw the title, I was like, "Man, that's a, that's that death song. That's interesting." And I put it on. I was like, "I wonder if it's a cover." And I put it on. And I was listening. I was like, "Oh, this is this isn't a cover." It wasn't until like the third or fourth time I listened. I was like, "Oh shit, this is a cover of that song," because <laughs> you guys did it so different. Like, how did that come about? So the, we were in Europe, and our our uh, label and distributor out there had a project that they wanted us to be a part of while we were out there, which was on our last tour, I think. And uh, they they were getting bands. I can't remember if all the bands were covering. Uh, yeah, I guess all the bands were covering like punk rock stuff. Right. And they sent us a list. Uh, you know, they brought it up to us. And we, I remember we were in the green room and it was just like, so the Sex Pistols, the Ramones and the, you know, whatever, all these bands. And Eric was like, what about Death? And well, they weren't on the list. And I was like, man, you know, Death, I remember seeing that documentary and like he he was like, yeah, I've been jamming that. And he was he pulled out politicians on my, on my well, he was going through some songs on the phone. And I remember he showed me that one. And I was like, damn, I, we heard that. And we were like, we could kind of freak that. I mean, what part of one of the things we like to do with covers is, is sometimes we, we stay pretty faithful, but sometimes we like to just kind of make it our own. And we there, there was a little bit of a saga to record that one because 
we sent it back and we were like, yeah, yeah, we were so pumped. We were like, hell yeah, man, death, like politicians in my eyes, like it's super timely and like timeless, you know? And we were like, hell yeah, I sent it back to them and it was just crickets and they were like, well, that's not a, we're not familiar with this band. We were like, dude, that they like invented punk rock. Like that's, and then they, they came back and said, it was too obscure. They were like, how about again, like the Sex Pistols, the Ramones? We were like, man, that's like the least punk rock thing you could do is tell us to go play the Ramones. Or, so we actually like, <laughs> Remember Eric text we were on this text. Eric was like, Man, I, that's this is the only song I want to do. I was like, Man, I'm down with you, bro. That's some that's we're being punk rock here. So that was it. We worked it up at a couple of sound checks. I think the band Eric uh with the band jammed on it for a little bit, then I showed that to Eric and he was like, Well he he kinda came up with the the I kept, the way the chord progression moves. I think kind of remember if it was quicker or slower than the original. He was like, Well, check this out. And I mean, we learned it like the day before or two days before in the studio at a sound check. Uh, we just sat there and went over it with guitar and then we went into the studio and learned it that day. I mean, a testament to our band just being killer, musicians, like they just, they learned yeah. it and all showed up and interpreted it. We might've rehearsed it a couple of times, you know. We'll be back with Adrian and Eric after the break. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer helped shape the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed The Boar's Nest, Sue's Place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, would spur each other on to tap into something bigger, realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Bacharach as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast, Audible invites you to enter The Boar's Nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. We're back with more of my conversation with Black Pumas. October 33, I guess, how did that one come about? Was that uh, one that Eric, you had, or was this a collaboration song? So the completion of this song was spurred by Adrian's thought to add one more song to the album. We, we probably recorded like a bit over 15 songs or so, 
and uh, he was just telling me like, man, I don't really feel like um, we really have that last song. And so when he told me that, I sent him a snippet of this, this song, October 33, a couple of days after. I said, hey, check this out. And, uh, you know, he thought it was a perfect way to end it. And I might have sent him like a little bit of a verse, maybe a little bit of a chorus. And he said, yeah, yeah, it kind of reminds me of this, this and that. And so, uh, I don't know, maybe a week later, right, Adrian, we got together and I pretty much finished writing the song on the way to the studio and in the studio. So actually funny, I, I have the lyrics right here, man. Uh, yeah, we, yeah, we it's on a paper something. bag. Yeah, yeah, he wrote them on a paper, on a, a grocery bag in my no studio. Way. But yeah, I remember, because we were we talked about it recently, but I, I forgot I still have them right here. But yeah, he just, he was cranking them out on this. Uh. This just kind of gets to the the crux of my my feeling about you guys, which is like, it's amazing how fully formed you guys were from, from the start. 2019, the record comes out, and the Grammys this past January, you guys were up for Best New Artist. And looking at the list of artists you guys were, <laughs> were, were in with, it's Billie Eilish, Black Pumas, Lil Nas X, Lizzo, Maggie Rogers, Rosalia, Tank of the Bangers, and Yola. That's pretty wild. Yeah. You know, we actually played a party at the Grammys, a Spotify party where like all those all those bands were played the same party, all the best new artist nominees. It was like this like rotating stage and everybody did like 20 minutes or something, but it's pretty kind of wild. Yeah. How was that? Crazy. It was just nice to be around peers, man. It's like, wow, like these are our peers, man. This is great. So that part of it was awesome. And then the uh, part that kind of tripped me out about like being in California again, I'm like, oh, my God, man, like this kind of feels like a pageant. You know, I felt like I was in a pageant. I was like, wow, this is this is kind of tripping me out. And, And then probably my favorite part of it is just, you know, seeing some of our heroes grace the stage and as well as grace some of the uh, in hosting some of the parties that happened before and after the the grammys like quest love and the roots invited us to play their you know their jam before the night of the grammys that was probably like my favorite part of it like i had such a good time at that party with dave Chappelle and quest love i'm run, i'm running into people in the in the green room smoking you know free joints and cbd infused coffee you know <laughs> and, you know it was it was just really cool man it, it was like the most rock star thing i've ever done because as i was leaving we were leaving i, I think adrian might have left already i'm like man i can't leave this is awesome <laughs> And uh, so, like, my hair was looking crazy because I'm I never I'm never prepared to go to an event anyway. You know, I just go, I just kind of go as is. But I realized I said, okay, well, I'm kind of looking like I'm still busking on the Santa Monica Pier right now, and uh, I probably should show some uh, some respect to the event. So, you know, I end up going on Facebook. I'm like, yo, does anybody know anyone in LA who can like retwist my hair and blase blase? And so. You know, I end up, Adrian and I both end up like getting fitted for it. And then the night that we left the party, this, you know, someone like came to my hotel like at four, five, six in the morning to do to do my hair. My little brothers with were I flew my little brothers out and, you know, she cut their hair. It was like the coolest. I felt so cool. I was like, yeah, <laughs> your big brother's doing it. <laughs> You guys 100% should have felt cool. And I bet you guys were the best on that stage, too. Oh, I, I guarantee that. Oh, man, it was fun. It, and, and this is why I love Adrian, man, because, you know, there was a guy who had gone up. And, you know, like black music and black vocalists is always very sharp and, you know, with the riffs and all this warm stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm on, the, I'm, on, I'm on the corner of the stage right before we go on. And I'm almost like kind of shedding some tears because of the the music's so beautiful. And the guy who was singing, I was like, "Yeah, that guy's pretty good." I look at Adrian. He's like, "Don't worry, bro. You're better. You're better than him." You know. <laughs> so it's just nice to kind of like you know have that uh, the validation reciprocated and the appreciation. I think that we do that for each other. So that's kind of cool. No, I mean that must have been an incredible experience. I feel bad because this is going back to pre-Black Puma days, but I would be a hundred percent unhappy with myself if I didn't mention the fact that Adrian, you got to have a few years worth of Prince experiences. (laughs) Yeah. So your old group, Group of Phantasma, was kind of more or less mentored or by Prince, right, for a time. 
Yeah, a few years on and off. It started with a, a residency in, in Las Vegas. He had a club, and we started playing there. And then he eventually just started coming on stage and jamming with us. And then that led to us backing him on certain occasions for a few years on and off. So yeah, I got to we got to spend some time with him. What was it like jamming with him? <laughs> Absolutely insane. Absolutely. And back then, like the way I, I used to put it was like it was like being a, a really good high school basketball team <laughs> and being put on a plane the next day and then being put in game seven of the NBA finals. You know, like we were we were a good band. And then all of a sudden, game seven of the NBA finals, like pff, go, you know, to all of a sudden be in a rehearsal with him was was like that. And because he could play every instrument better than than everybody. Oh, yeah. You know, so yeah. he uh, so it was just like one day to the next. Our confidence level was just through the roof. It was just trial by fire, man. We just got thrown in the deep end and just like no choice but to show up and, you know, and bust your ass and try hard. So, I mean, he, the com- my confidence level and the band's confidence level was just from one day to the next. After, like, being in rehearsals with Prince was just, like, you know, chest thumping everywhere. We were just like, hell, yeah, we play with Prince, man. Like, <laughs> we can hang anywhere. <laughs> How was he as a band leader? He was amazing, man. It was, it was really, he was really cool. I saw, I saw multiple sides of him because we were like the cool new young band that he worked with. So we weren't like his regular band on salary. He always set the mood. You know, there was times I think he was funnier and more engaging and like more personable than people make him out to be. You know, like you always, we used to hear these rumors like, man, you can't look him in the eye and you can't like whatever. He was cool. He was really funny as hell, but he always set the mood and there was days where he wasn't in the mood to, to joke and it was all (laughs) business, you know? I mean, you knew right yeah. away. It was just like, man, Prince is here. It's all business today. Or if not, he just was hanging like, you know, hanging out and joking with us and stuff. So, uh, But he was always a little bit cooler with us. He was cool with his band, but he was a little harder on them. And he was maybe because, like I said, we were like a younger band. And I mean, still a hard ass. There was definitely times where he cut us down individually. Certain guys, he, he would call you out and say, and say something and embarrass you the hell out of you at a rehearsal. But most of the time, man, he was really encouraging and, and inspiring for us. And he knew, uh, you know, we, we had it a little bit easier than his band where, where, you know, those guys are like, you know, his band and they, they had yeah. it. It was a little more intense. We, I witnessed a lot of those rehearsals and that was a lot more intense. You know, he was he was softer with us. Did he ever direct any of those critiques at you? <laughs> Not verbally, but one time I got I got like my bubble popped real quick, real bad at a rehearsal, man. Uh so we had to learn a few songs of his and he came in with his keyboard player to then they were like going to watch us play their songs. And I there was a, a song that didn't have another guitar part. It was just had one guitar part. and We had two guitar players. So I came up with my own parts and was like he came in with the keyboard player and was like, OK, and it was like an audition. Like, go ahead, like play the song, guys. And I was just like, man, you know, this is it. Like, I'm going for it, man. I'm playing my guitar part. I know it's not in that song, but I, I just made up a part. That, that I had made up and was playing that adding this part to the song and I kind of like looked up and saw his reaction and he looked at the keyboard player and was like pointing at me like you know incur- like oh hell yeah like he was feeling it so man I mean that my my like confidence level and ego was just like through the roof so then I was like in my head I'm like man I play whatever I want on Prince songs like I make up my own shit you know <laughs> next song I just like also started playing some other part that wasn't there and was like that. And he, and at that point he was on stage with us and he had his back to us and he just threw up his hand and he goes, stop. And the whole band stops. And he like points at me without looking at me. He goes, what are you doing? And I was like, Oh, I just came up with this part that, that, uh, and he goes, don't play that play what's in the song. And I was like, okay. And that was it. It was just like, you know, so he had that power, like to, to either build you up and then also just bring you back down and be like, Nope, you, still, you got a ways to go. You know, like you're still in school here. So. And do you feel like a better musician having gone through that? Yeah, I feel like that, man, that did so much for our development and and my development personally in terms of confidence, you know, just knowing that, like, if you can hang in that room, you can hang anywhere. You know, I had this crazy experience. It was like kind of the night we technically got signed to our label was uh, we played in uh, uh, Minneapolis, one St. Paul, technically, and this was early on in the band, and we just killed that show. That That was such a I don't know if you remember that one. I remember that show. It was really good, man. It was on fire. We had a sub on on keys, but I had this, like, I got chills, not to get, like, too hokey about this, but, man, I remember, for some reason, we were just really killing it that night, and I got chills. We had a packed, so it was a small club, but it was packed. I remember getting chills and looking around and thinking, like, man, if 
it was almost like I could feel Prince and I was like thinking if if he was alive, he would have been here. He would have known about this. You know what I mean? Like I had, I got really, I mean, I'm getting chills talking about it, but I remember looking around and for some reason we were just on fire and thinking like he would have known about this man and he would have cornered Eric you know, and been infatuated with hearing about the songs. And, you know, like, I just had that feeling. I was just like, I knew it. I know he would have known about this. That's almost the worst thing about losing Prince, beyond the fact that we can never go to a Prince show again, is that, you know, I'm not sure how many other people were as supportive of really new acts. I mean, what a lovely guy and and so giving to invite people who, you know, none of us really deserve to be in his presence, probably, you know, it's Prince. But it's just, it's crazy, you know, that he's not here to mentor. Oh my God, yeah. And especially for someone like Eric, because I, I can only imagine. Oh know? my God, dude. Yeah, I, I know that. One time we were going on stage somewhere with him at a an award show and and uh, he was like in a different green room or something and he called us over there to, to talk before and somebody was somebody made a joke we were kind of comfortable we were pretty comfortable with him after a while and you could kind of joke if he was in a good mood like to joke around and somebody made a comment like oh this is where the stars are and he pulled us on and he was like no 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 he was like you guys are the stars today and, you know he was just really encouraging like that and he loved he loved younger songwriters and you know people that straddle that world of soul and rock and everything you know which is like i'm t- why i'm telling you i'm like man i was getting chills that day i'm like i know he would have been here I know he would have beelined it for Eric to to like, you know, to talk to him. Uh, and... Rest in peace. Absolutely. Rest in peace. One last thing I wanted to ask Eric about. Did you have an American Idol audition? Yeah. Before uh, anything else, um, I think it was 2012. Uh, I was in California, like 30 bucks to my name um, after getting a round trip uh, ticket to Houston, Texas, actually. Uh, I was supposed to go to Houston, Texas, and then come back to LA, and I did. But I didn't realize that um, that the process of the road audition was like a three day long process before you'd even know if you'd make it to, if you made it to Hollywood Week. I just thought that you know you go and you, you see the you, you see Jennifer Lopez and Randy <laughs> Jackson, and you know you see the people, and uh, and then you 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 know if you made it or not. But like I was out there with no money trying to like you know befriend people in the crowd and i ended up meeting this uh this guy who let me sleep in the back of the, like his vehicle like we we like camped out between like a burger king and a gas station in houston texas uh you know his mom sent some money we went shopping and you know i made like a cardboard sign it was bonkers that's the that was the craziest initiation to the music industry that i've ever I've ever had. And, you know, I, I made it. Um, Jennifer Lopez liked me. I liked her, too. And, uh, you know, she she kind of, you know, she worked she worked it out for me to, you know, get through. She really liked me. So then I, I got eliminated in Hollywood week. So, I mean, the, the glory wasn't, you know, lived too much further beyond actually just being able to make real friends. Like I'm still connected with a buddy of mine who also made it to Hollywood week is Dylan Loza. His family took me in. I mean, we were eating taco dinners, palm trees in the backyard. I'm swimming in the pool, playing video games with the brother. And so, you know, I always kind of, uh, you know, I tell people all the time, I'm just, I'm very thankful because it just seems like anytime I've ever decided to take a risk, you know, like that, it just seems like things just kind of, all things work together for good, you know? It's like, it, it just feels, it feels good. And I believe, I'm a believer, you know? I'm a, I'm, I believe that when I decide to do something that that has got to happen, you know? It must feel great, man, with all those little, all those people who kind of invested you in these ways along the way. And now you're, you're where you're at, man. That's just got to be so fulfilling even for them. I mean, that's amazing. Being, being, coming from a place where, uh, you know, we moved around a lot, it's, it's kind of hard to like have some of the same friends and, you know, keep certain things at certain mementos. So it does mean a lot that, especially that the, you know, that we're where we are right now, because it's, it's easy to find me for people who, you know, I've had a really nice connection with. So that's, that part of it's really dope. Cool. Well, thanks guys. Really appreciate you guys taking the time. Thanks brother. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, Justin. Thanks to Eric and Adrian for taking the time to talk. We wish them the best of luck at the Grammys. You can hear all of our favorite Black Puma songs on a playlist at brokenrecordpodcast.com. 
And be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash broken record podcast. There you can find extended cuts of new and old episodes. Broken Record is produced with help from Leah Rose, Jason Gambrell, Martin Gonzalez, Eric Sandler, and is executive produced by Mia LeBlanc. Broken Record is a production of Pushkin Industries. And if you like Broken Record, please remember to share, rate, and review our show on your podcast app. Theme music's by Kenny Beats. I'm Justin Richmond. Peace. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month, less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? Not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora, to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher, only much, much better. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids. No plug right, needed. Let's go. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. <laughs> You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.